0: Hello there jocks and jockettes. You'd be very happy to hear that Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese, once again is upright. Well, as upright as one can get it. I mean, I've still got that slight, uh, slight hunch of the man with the long back. You know, that could be the next name of the next bomb movie, The Slight Hunch, the man with a long back. Hello. Well, I'm better now. I'm not horizontal anymore. I'm perfectly erect and ready for another Saturday podcast here. So this is the podcast. Like Friday, so do you start to unwind and then think about maybe partying? Uh, Saturday is uh, is the hangover podcast, basically. So if you had a little bit much, too much fun on Friday night, we're going to lull you into a false sense of security. And uh, make your migraine even worse. No, 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 no. We're going to entertain you. We're going to hit your funny bones. And you have multiple funny bones. Don't let anybody tell you that the funny bone is just around the elbow. It can be anywhere. Because the human body is absolutely hilarious, wouldn't you say? So here we are. I'm very pleased to be out of bed. I had the booster shot. I mean, this is the whole thing. For all those buffoons out there who will not get the shot, then, look, I had a couple of hours of discomfort yesterday and a bit of a foggy head. Come on, go and get it done, for God's sake. You know, I, 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 I was going to have second thoughts. I wanted it to be, uh, I wanted the jab in the bottom because, I you know, I, I, I've got skinny like chicken arms and I think a jab. The vaccine in the arm, I, I don't know what it can do. But you know what? I need to try to inflate my butt cheeks a little bit. You know, I've got that sort of flat dad butt going on. I mean, it's not terrible. I don't go around looking at other men's, another other dads' butts, asses. No, no, no. I'm, not a, I'm not an arse pervert, so to speak. Um, but, you know, I, I look around and I see that my butt, my ass, is not as flat as possibly the next man. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm quite proud about that. I mean, I'm very pleased that I haven't got something that's as flat as the proverbial crepe. But that would be, that'd be absolutely awful. I wouldn't want that. So we're settling into another uh, podcast. We try to do two a week here. Uh, I think Friday I'm very consistent. And then Saturday, possibly Sunday. So we, we give you a full quota. You know, the full Monty. Of podcasts over the course of the weekend for you to enjoy, and then sort of if you having a little bit of a stressful week, you can pop me on, and uh, I can relax you. You know, I could be the little British elf on your shoulder, reassuring you. Well, some would say the devil, but you know, I'm I'm sort of angelic. And uh, you know, in my in my uh, misspent youth, when I had, I looked more cherubic with uh, blonde curly hair. I could be the angel on your shoulder, playing the harp, or would that be the eunuch? I don't want to be the eunuch. I mean, I've already said I've got a flat I, I You know, I, I don't want to sort of suggest I have no willy either. Uh, yeah, yeah, that would be. <laughs> gosh, what a start! Telling you here, I'm, I'm, I'm describing my flat dat flat, flat, flat. Need to, you need to elocute, chappie. Flat. The rain in Spain more falls mainly on the plain. Yeah, i feel much better now now i'm uh, now i'm warming up slowly i'm like the uh jack in the box when you're like turning it round slowly 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 and then pop goes the weasel that is how i see myself gently warming up and then a frenetic rather garish ending that's your day host so we've got to 138 episodes of this absolute drevel. Yes. How are there so many hours, you know, across Spotify, Apple Music, of me just rambling on about a load of tosh? Well, I don't know. Some people have a talent. I have a tosh talent. <laughs> that's that's how I would... Uh, We'll probably describe ourselves, a little bit of a tosh talent, but I'm here for you and all you need to do now is, uh, you know, gently, gently lay back, relax, some deep breaths and just uh, stretch out those twinkle toes. Yesterday's podcast was uh, basically me in bed trying to uh, crank my neck towards the microphone because I don't know if you've ever recorded anything or done any voiceovers from your boudoir but you know unless you have one of those flat trays in front of you and then again i think if you're a jiffle bottom like myself you'd hear all sorts of rustling on the microphone so uh, I, you know it, it took a little bit of getting used to but i really couldn't move but now i have a little bit of a stiff neck today but i do have a cure for the stiff neck a warming delicious very seasonal cure for a stiff neck i'll be giving that to you later I'll be introducing you to also to yoga nana yoga nana later on I will be doing it I'll be popping on my turquoise lycra uh, that's very very flexible there's a lot of given that elastic which is very very much what I need I'm going to be talking about my Roomba how my Roomba went rogue the Roomba went rogue earlier in the week uh, also um, something inappropriate from an Uber driver uh, also uh the other day, picking up some food. And, you know, it's a great resignation out there. Everybody's quitting. So a lot of, there's a, not a lot of restaurant staff. They're really uh, spread a little thin, elasticated to the absolute brim where it's, it's going to break at some point because there's nobody there. But the other day, I went to pick up some food and uh, I'll uh, enlighten you into what happened uh, also a little bit uh, a little bit later on. We did mention how I uh, lowered my buttock cheeks and we'll be lowering buttock cheeks again later. I mean, not saying that's a thread or an emblem for the show, uh, but uh, yeah, we'll be doing that a little bit later. But I I lowered them and I think I sat on some apple juice or was it urine? I don't know the other day, but I had a sort of wet left buttock cheek for the whole day. And I did try to raise it up uh, next to the hand dryer in the toilet. Uh, I got up onto the sink and I, I lifted my butt into the air next to the hand dryer to try to dry off a very wet left cheek. Um, did it work? Not particularly. But uh, luckily, nobody uh, luckily luckily nobody came in because that was the uh, that was the that was the worry behind the whole thing. I didn't want didn't want that happening where somebody would come in and see me raising my uh, my buttocks up to the uh, up to the hand dryer. That would have been bloody awful. Also, toxic positivity is very, very real and very annoying. If you want to sound more confident, avoid these 11 phrases. Well, I, I think I'm not going to be able to do that because I'm always self-deprecating. Sean Connery's hairpiece page, I found that on the internet. And something Camilla, the Duchess of Cornwall, has stopped. I mean, she hasn't stopped talking about this event that happened at the COP conference last week. We do have some trample trombone. I will be giving my British-English take on America's Thanksgiving. It was a lovely little article I I saw that I thought, you know what, I need to give my take on Thanksgiving and the British point of view of Thanksgiving. Why not? You know, we're coming up a couple of weeks. We'll do a few of these over the the next coming weeks. But there we go. That's the show. I'm feeling bright and breezy, uh, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, Ready for action. So this uh, this happened the other day. You had uh, Camilla, the Duchess of Cornwall, uh, at the COP conference, and uh, she was awaiting the uh, arrival of President Biden. President Biden. Lovely to see you, Mr. President. Absolutely lovely to see you. Oh yes, yes. You you used to ride the Amtrak, and uh, you, you're Irish too. I oh, never 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 knew that. Never knew it. President Biden met Duchess of Cornwall during a reception this last Monday. They made polite small talk and Camilla was shocked to hear Biden break wind. He was supposed to be committed to reducing emissions. But when President Joe Biden produced a little natural gas of his own at the COP26 summit, it was audible enough to make the Duchess of Cornwall blush. An informed source has told the Daily Mail on Sunday that Camilla was taken back to hear Biden break wind as they made polite small talk at the Global Climate Change Conference. It was long and loud and impossible to ignore. The president met the Duchess during the reception on Monday at the Kelvin Grove Art Gallery. Uh, Just hours earlier, uh, Donald Trump's uh, successor, Joe Biden, had appeared to doze off during the opening address. Uh, Boris Johnson did too, prompting more questions from his political rivals about his fitness for office. This is not the first time Biden has faced claims that he broke wind. In May 2020, Republicans, including Donald Trump Jr., posted a video clip of Biden containing a suspicious noise uh, while uh, live streaming in exchange with Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolfe. Uh, Trump, scene is also considered running in 2024. It could be a, a flatulence face-off, so to speak, or bottom-off in this case. You've got Two older men who uh, probably can't control their flatulence and may need one of those adult diapers. There's a lovely piece by Elizabeth Bernstein uh, talking about toxic positivity is very real and very annoying. Sometimes the worst thing you can say to a person who's feeling bad is cheer up. Chip Hooley learned this the hard way at the beginning of the pandemic. His daughter Hillary called him in a panic. She and her husband had recently purchased an apartment in Brooklyn. Now she's worrying about the real estate prices in New York uh, were falling and his, uh, all their friends were leaving the city. Mr. Hooley, a financial firm executive uh, from Casanova, New York, interrupted her. Don't worry or this will all work out for the best. Launching into a pep talk. I gave all these positive thoughts. I felt like Batman was saving the world. Then his wife, who was sitting next to him, piped up. That's the most annoying conversation I've ever heard. Your daughter wanted to talk to her dad and you wouldn't even listen. Pushing away difficult emotions such as sadness or fear and forcing ourselves and others to be positive can be harmful to our mental well-being and our relationships, psychologists say. This is because practicing false cheerfulness, which they call toxic positivity, keeps from us addressing our feelings and the feelings of others. Cultivating a positive mindset is a powerful coping mechanism especially in tough times, but positivity needs to be rooted in reality for it to be healthy and uh, helpful. Toxic positivity is positively given in the wrong way, in the wrong dose, at the wrong time. Um, And it doesn't sound like this. Cheer up. Don't worry. Stop focusing on the negative. Try to have a better attitude. We're all guilty of it. Many of us were taught as children to banish the uh, so-called bad feelings and to pick ourselves up when we fall. Stop complaining, count our blessings and fix it in our fast culture. Reinforces the message. That to be positive is to indeed succeed. So, how can we avoid forced positivity to better help ourselves or somebody else who is down? Start by recognizing that it's a different form of hope or optimism. These emotions are rooted in reality, said Dr. David. While toxic positivity is a denial of it, don't judge yourself or others for feeling difficult emotions. Be compassionate. Tell yourself, "I'm feeling sad or lonely in the pandemic, and that is normal." Ask yourself what you can learn from your feelings. Emotions are data, said Dr. David. They're not good or bad. They're signposts to things we care about. Loneliness, for example, might signal that you need more connection. And take action. Do something to address what you've decided is missing. Remember, it's not your job to solve the other person's problems, nor do they want you to. You don't want to listen to respond and give advice. You want to listen to understand. Dr. David DeTilo suggests asking the other person what type of support he or she needs. And if you're at the receiving end of somebody else's toxic positivity, explain that you don't want advice. You just need an ear. Mr. Hooley told his wife's comment that, uh, that his positivity was annoying to heart. It was eye opening to realize that it's OK to be miserable once in a while. He called his daughter back that night and said, I just want to let you know that the situation doesn't indeed suck. The key is to listen and let the other person talk. Two ears, one mouth. Have you lost your suck? Has your vacuum cleaner lost its suck? Does it not pick up dirt anymore? Do you have to use your broom more often? Well, these are some of the things that happened to me the other day. Basically, I was in a situation where you know, I have this I have this robotic Roomba. Yeah, it was a uh, robotic Roomba that goes around and does its business picking up all the uh, dust, dirt, and Imska all around the apartment. Yeah, but you have to be careful. You have to, any chairs it can get stuck on, you have to move that and everything else because it does like to get stuck in different places. But I have found recently that... Um, one of the big problem areas is my bathroom yeah i'm in small chabby towers. i have a lot of coats a lot of scarves you know i like a big long uh fluffy substantial scarf you know and, and the weight on the back of the door to the bathroom with some of these things hanging on it is making the door close and then the room gets stuck well so the thing happened the other day the, the, the door closed behind the room but i was busy uh you know, frolicking around the apartment, and um, where's where's the Roomba gone? It's not doing the Roomba, so to speak. And uh, yeah, so I was looking for it everywhere, high and low, small chappie towers, not very far to to look around here. And then I walked in, and it was seriously. <laughs> And the Roomba was slightly tipped up and there was toilet paper all over the place. Now, it took me back to boarding school where we used to toilet paper people's cars, common rooms, everything. I mean, you would never get away with it in the pandemic because it was such a waste of toilet paper back in those days. But the Roomba had basically sneakily and cheekily, one would add, cheeky little bugger, uh, sucked up. The end of the toilet roll that had been cascading down and uh, and then it uh, basically decided to suck up the whole thing. So there was toilet paper absolutely everywhere. It was like bringing a new puppy home basically and it was scattered everywhere and I spent probably about an hour pulling toilet paper out of the Roomba's gullet. Yep that's what I did and it was basically F-U-Roomba. you F-u roomba It was very irritating. Because, it's, you know, the intricacies of a robot's stomach is much like a dog. I mean, what goes in must come out, so to speak. At least you don't have diarrhea all over the floor. But I'm just wondering if dogs can teach AI robotic uh, vacuum devices to basically go into a bathroom and chew up a load of toilet roll is I feel like Maggie the Cheeky Naughty Corky has trained my Roomba, my Artificially Intelligent Roomba to basically chew up everything all and sundry, including a whole roll of shaman. So welcome along to our new game on Keep Calm and Cauliflower it Cheese. It's Rubbish Poker. Rubbish Poker. So every Monday, I walk past the huge skip with all the rubbish around Chappie Towers in placed. place. All the trash. And, yeah, people aren't slinging these items into the skip. They're just leaving them on the side. So every week, we're going to have two of our best in a game of rubbish poker. So, first up, we have an item that I think many of you would uh, would probably appreciate here. So we've got a beautiful plush velveteen, red velveteen. It would look perfect in uh, Austin Powers' boudoir when he was uh, entertaining Mrs. Kensington. But a lot of the velvet's been rubbed off, probably with too much uh, hanky-panky on the couch over the years. So you've got a a, a red rouge velveteen couch uh, with a lot of the velvet rubbed off. That is basically what we have. It's a beautiful couch. It's just a little worn, and uh, you wouldn't take uh, the blue light to the whole situation. I mean, God yeah, knows what you'd find on there. So we have our front hand is a beautiful 1960s velvet couch with a lot of the velvet indeed rubbed off. But we have a winner, winner chicken dinner. Our winner this week, ladies and mantelpieces, our winner of this week's rubbish poker. And you're not going to believe it. Oh, my gosh. i tell you something. I don't think I've ever seen this at a skip. It was some finely chopped up stew meat, still packaged, and it was inserted into a frying pan. And why slow flirting is a new way to date. How do you signal that you fancy someone in the current dating climate lucy holden who used to be a speedy seducer discovers that slow flirting and some extremely cheesy chat up lines has helped her rediscover her dating mojo this is in the london times lucy holden I'm standing at the door of a party just outside London, looking at the room full of revelers who have gathered for my friend Jose's birthday. Sweetie, he calls, kissing me, and then look at the well-dressed air either side of me. Where's your plus one? I've arrived alone at a party full of couples, as well as more single-looking men than I've seen in ages. The only option to chain smoke and chain neck champagne until I feel more confident about charming a load of strangers. Does flirting still exist? I asked myself, wondering if I remember how to do it. Flirting vanished for most of us over the last 18 months. Uh, with those who face COVID breakups wondering when we'd ever date again but now that parties are mingling is generally is back so is slow flirting the grown-up post-pandemic sister of the fast sexy original those of us who have emerged into this brave new single world and now would it seem less interested in levacious hooking up and keener on more uh, antiquated teasing kind of weight that makes sure you're on a good thing before you jump into bed We have slowed down in many ways, and even dating hasn't become immune. At Jose's party, I realized at age 31, I could no longer remember how to flirt. When I giddily approached an extremely buff guy near the bar to say hello, he told me he'd been waiting for a drink 30 minutes. Good, good, I replied, as if though this is the most awful thing I'd ever heard, hoping he didn't think I was a waitress, but grabbing a drink from the real one and handing it to him. The personal trainer, as it turned out, was most thankful. I would have thought you could get anything you wanted with arms like that, I said. I immediately tried not to throw up in my mouth. It had been a while. An hour later, I saw Claygate, as I stored him on my phone afterwards, the most attractive straight man at the party, the flirting edge closer to normality, a blight to its new old style. After just a few hours... Of chatting and staring each other across in the pub, I left with his number, unkissed and overjoyed about it. Slow, I told myself, for the past year, suggestiveness seemed to be back, but post-pandemic has been charmingly chaste. Pre-COVID, I was an exceptionally fast flirt. Completely undiscriminating in all ways, I saw flirting as a charm and employed it everywhere, all the time. It didn't always have sexual connotations. To me, it was just casual, interested way to behave that won people over quickly. Cue the pandemic, and my permanently glittered eye had no object. On the sleepy suburban road to Bath, where my parents lived, the one I fled to from London during lockdown, there was a man under 50. Uh, he, he he had one of those rugby-playing Kings of Leon looks that he could be 18 or 35. Dangerous, I told my mum. Far too local, she replied, which didn't deter me, but trying to flirt about local bus times while my dog shat on the pavement in front of him was really difficult. I'm an urban flirt, I realised, feeling lost with the rural material of an offer, and it wasn't until city life restarted I even remembered what I'd been missing on. I'm flirting again, I texted my friend Bex who had been moved home to Wales not long after she left London. What's flirting, she replied, I've forgotten. So uh, when I went to my cousin's summer wedding, I found myself double kissed by an extremely attractive half Peruvian zoologist who knew the groom. And then another man appeared with some sort of Cornish royalty, interrupting quite interesting duck chat. The same introduction, tell him you're Cornish too, my mother hissed as if though it had never occurred to me. I arrived at the post-wedding barbecue the next day to turn initial introductions into some good old-fashioned slow flirting, but instead I found that had slept with a bridesmaid. We weren't on the same page, it seemed. Instead, I sat on my hammock with Cornwall, smoking and watching the wedding party politics of the next night, and I added him on my Instagram the next day. Social media is helpful in the slow flirt claim because you don't have to ask for anybody's number. You can stay at arm's length for as long as you want. And after moving to texting, an actual date seemed inevitable. We stayed in the slow lane after having dinner a week later and walking through Bath afterwards. I bumped into him constantly, Uh, unused to being so close to a tall, attractive man after all this time. But was he flirting, it was hard to tell, cursing Boris for ruining my gauge on the Richter scale of suggestion. I decided to persevere, partly because just texting somebody, even with no idea of what it meant, became something that was joyous after such a long break. That excitement that I had one day, I might meet somebody, it's a great comeback. I met Cornwall for a walk a few days after our dinner date and he told me that he still has a lot of stuff to sort out after a personal loss in the pandemic. I wondered if I should be sad for a minute that it wouldn't go away anytime soon and then I realized that of course I shouldn't. First because I hadn't slept with him, I squealed in relief high-fiving my imaginary slow-flirting mentor but also because I knew it was tough getting your life back in check when it had run away, like his had and mine before it. And finally, because I was back, this was flirting 2.0. Oh no, what's next? Cooking classes together. Whether you describe your butt as saggy, flat or full, butt workouts can help you sculpt and strengthen your glutes. So I'm going to introduce you to Nana Yoga. So basically, what we're going to do, we're going to do some uh, glute and buttock exercises here, and uh, you know, just a little bit of Russian roulette here on the floor. We have two very ripe bananas that will be under each buttock cheek. Uh, you you want to make sure that it's not pointing upwards. Try to get the bananas flat on the floor. If they're if they're slightly uh, if they're slightly upright or uh, or shifting up towards the ceiling. Uh, yeah, it could be a nasty surprise to you. But make sure the bananas are soft. Hard green ones will probably won't go down very well. So here we go. So you can either do the donkey kicks. Well, you might uh, you might accidentally kick the banana and uh, have mushy ripe banana everywhere. So I recommend that you do the, uh, the bridge. So we're going to do the bridge here. Uh, I'm just going to ease down here onto the floor. Oh, excuse me. Oh, gosh. Oh, there we go. So I'm easing onto the floor here and I have two ripe bananas under the buttock. So I have two ripe bananas that are under the buttocks. So, okay, so we're gonna do the bridge here. So the bridge buttock position, this is our nana yoga. And uh, the real, the aim of this isn't to crush or uh, squash the ripe bananas under your buttock cheeks. So here we go, lie on your back with your knees bent and feet flat on the floor. And hips width apart. If you've got big hips, maybe slightly narrower. Uh, squeeze your butt. Okay, I'm squid. Lift, lift your hips up to the ceiling. Oh, until your butt forms a straight line between your knees and your shoulders. I have broad shoulders. And, oh, oh, oh. So, yeah, you can't crush the bananas under there. It would cause a terrible mess, and banana stains are difficult to get out of your jeans. Well, no, I haven't got jeans. Of course, I've got jeans on. I've got my my uh, my turquoise, very very stretchy lycra. Here we go again. One more. Uh, yeah, just right, right down, right down to the banana. Your, your butt cheeks are touching the banana, but you're not crushing it. Okay, add up again. All right, here we go. One more time. So line your back knees bent, feet flat on the floor, hips width apart, squeeze your butt and lift your hips towards the ceiling until your body forms a straight line between your knees and your shoulders and then return to the starting position. So right, butt down, right down onto the banana, but just touching the banana, don't crush the banana. Oh, I could crush a banana and raise it up again. <sighs> and uh, now you can uh, indeed relax. So the lovely Sean Connery died uh, about a year ago, uh, just uh, on Halloween, uh, one year ago today. But I rediscovered the Sean Connery hairpiece page. Absolutely fantastic. So basically, it looks back through Connery's movies, uh, through, his, through his filmography, uh, and what sort of hairpieces he was wearing. In 1961, so very early in his career, regardless of... Uh, On the fiddle, Operation Snafu in 1961, Connery has really, really full head of hair. Was it all his? Were there hair supplements? It's hard to tell. And then in Dr. No, you had uh, Dr. No, while filming in Jamaica, Connery's hair seemed well, a bit thin already in some of the behind the scenes photos, uh, but uh, fairly full uh, head of hair. The conventional wisdom is that Connery never wore a hairpiece or had hair supplements in a Bond film until goldfinger but you can be the judge so we had from russia with love still there's some signs that the bond star's hair was getting thinner for example in a publicity still with diana D- D- bianchi uh there was indeed a coma for going on in 1964 marnie this is connie's first fully fledged use of a hairpiece uh and uh, so yeah so you had in marnie he, he wore a hairpiece And then in Goldfinger, the time came through, nobody cared. Goldfinger was uh, the case of catching lightning in a bottle. The movie made Bond a global icon. Nobody was paying much attention to Connery's full hairpiece. And then basically, In the Hill uh, in 1965, when he was eager to escape the shadow of James Bond, uh, it was a serious film, Connery had no hairpiece and uh, indeed very little hair. And then uh, in Thunderball 1965 also the actor's hairpiece have a flat look that uh, didn't seem anything like the ones he wore in Goldfinger uh, a year or two ago. Connie had the help from underwater doubles, but he had to have film close-ups during location. So a lot of it, lot of it was filmed underwater. So, uh, I mean, what, what do you do when you're having underwater filming in the 1960s uh, with a hairpiece on? and then uh, in, he only lived twice in 1967 uh, only lived twice and twice is the only way to live especially when it came to hair pieces in Sean Connery's fifth James Bond film the script was by Roald Dahl he didn't lose a, yod, a lot of the, Ian Fleming's uh, screenplay it meant that Connery had two basic hair pieces his basic Bond toupee and, uh, and then uh, another part was his impersonation by the climax of the film uh, he was wearing a Japanese Impersonation hairpiece. So going back to Biden's uh, Trump or uh, fart in this case. Okay, so this is a very, very amusing story uh, that I uh, read on Twitter in the week. Uh, this goes Duchess of Cambridge, well, sorry, the Duchess of Cornwall heard uh, Joe Biden let rip earlier in the week. Uh, but it's not quite up with the yarn, the Queen told, when riding in a carriage with an overseas dignitary, the horse blew and made a terrible smell. And the Queen said, I do apologise. To the which the dignitary replied, if you had not said anything, ma'am, I would have thought it was the horse. In such a competitive world, the last thing you need to do is to undercut yourself. But that's what a lot of us do when we are in different ways, what makes us sound less confident, less determined, and less sure of ourselves. But there's an effective solution. Swap it out. Weak words with phrases for ones that will make you come across as professional and capable. The first weak word here. Does that make sense? What to say instead? What are your thoughts or I'd like your input? Number two, maybe we should try. What to say instead? Let's try or it's a good idea to try. Number three, I think this would. What to say instead? I believe this word. Number four, I'm not positive, but I'm not sure, but... What to say, whatever you were going to say after the but. Uh, Number five, I just wanted to touch base. What to say instead, I wanted to touch base. Needless to say, uh, what to say instead, nothing. In my opinion, what to say instead, nothing. Uh, For what it's worth, what to say instead, nothing. Uh, Sorry, what to say instead, excuse me. Um, uh, Yes, so uh, X was developed to increase X. What to say, I developed X to increase X. And then finally, if you know what I mean, what to say, nothing. I mean, this is hard. If you're a self deprecating Brit such as myself, you can run into all sorts of troubles. I mean, part of the problem when swapping out these uh, fairly negative words is identified by very British problems, official. Uh, follow them on Twitter and also Instagram. Very British problems. Uh, Brit one, what time are you getting here? Brit two, when do you want me? Brit one, whenever you fancy. Brit two, when would be best? Brit one, up to you. Brit 2, let me know. Brit 1, play it by ear. Brit 2, have a think. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. It is time for Trump a trombone. Okay, so feed the cat and my daughter from the same bowl. It's no big deal. A man left a house guest disgusted after they watched him feed his pet cat with the same bowl he used to serve food from his daughter. Sharing the story anonymously, the man said that his daughter had just moved on to solid food and every meal was served to her in a small bowl, uh, of which they have a series of. The man and his partner recently got a kitten too, and they were serving wet food for the pet, and they would use one of the bowls. After each meal, he would wash the bowls up, put them back in the cupboard, uh, mix in the cat bowl with the baby bowl together... And he didn't see a problem with the technique. Well, at least it saves them the washing up. And it's funny how we hold such powerful memories about school. The way that our teachers used to dress, the smell of the books in the library, and even the feel of particular classrooms. But one Twitter user has highlighted the unusual coincidence, or possibly secret dress code, of the mathematics teacher. Some Twitter users highlighted the unusual coincidence of possibly secret dress code of a mass teacher's schools. Starting uh, the trend discussing at length what geometry teachers wore, Twitter user and comedian Eli Yudins shared a picture of an ordinary brown leather shoes accompanied with the caption, These shoes were built for one thing, teaching geometry. The shoes in question were brown leather Merrill Jungle Mock shoes, and the statement generalizing the fashion sense of geometry teachers has tickled Twitter bones fancy. Well, they could have been mathematician moccasins, calculator crocs, or Pythagoras plimsolls. The delivery driver was left bemused after spotting a broom floating in the air by itself, and now internet users are trying to explain what was going on. Luca uploaded his clip to TikTok, said he had been out on a delivery when he spotted the unusual occurrence. He said that the broom had sat there in mid-air with nothing holding it up, and was slowly moving in the wind, but not as much as the tree's. Uh, either side of the road I mean it's a new type of delivery click and Quidditch And a man claims to be on a mission to collect one chip from every single one of the 925 Weatherspoon pubs across the UK. Boris Bennett says he carries a folder of chips around with him, each in a clear pouch and perfectly labelled with the restaurant they were purchased from. His hilarious hobby came to light when he posted a picture of his trading cards collection on Facebook. It appeared that Weatherspoon's poultry chip count a group on the site where weatherspoon fanatics discuss how many chips they got with their meal is the challenge a wind up social media users are quick to point out it would take a while to visit every weatherspoons in the country meaning the chips would get rather moldy i mean rather that than a green pickled egg collection or a pork scratching collection And police are racing out to detangle seven baby squirrels tied together by their tails. Uh, it sure does sound a little bit nuts. But exactly what officers had to do in Michigan after a uh, 999 call last Friday. Copts found a very uh, scurry of young squirrels at the base of a tree after rushing to the scene in Grand Blanc. Uh, pictures show the animals dangerously fused together after they became stuck shortly after birth. It was a case of squirrel notkins. And finally, a CCTV cock-up has left cops facing a hard job trying to find the culprit behind this crime. Three giant penis-shaped garden ornaments have been snatched from a shop, which hit the headlines over the owners refused to remove one of the obscene statues from his uh, window display. Jason Hadlow owner of Simply Dutch in Leeming Bar, North Yorkshire, was forced to look on as his beloved four-foot masonry manhood was seized in 2010 following complaints to the public. But the defiant businessman declined to pay the £80 fine to have the stone sculpture returned to him and instead ordered 150 more from Indonesia. The incident led into launching the Free Willy campaign with pictures of concrete penises appearing online in different locations. North Yorkshire police eventually bowed to the pressure and released the statue to the shop. But now, 11 years later, the final three ornaments were stolen around 10 p.m. on Monday night. The thieves took uh, five cast iron stags and five concrete dogs and Jason, who lives in the town of Yarm. The phallic statue uh, was uh, a mighty triumvirate. I wouldn't believe anybody would want to steal somebody's concrete willies. I mean, definitely a phallic threesome. Maybe three heads are better than one. You are British. You know Thanksgiving is an American holiday. You know it comes once a year and it involves eating turkey. You can even infer some of the meaning from the name of the holiday. If you go to Wikipedia, you can learn about the history of the day. It involves pilgrims and Native Americans, if you care. But suppose you want the real story, the inside knowledge, the 411. What is Thanksgiving really about? What are the traditions? What if you're invited to an American's house for Thanksgiving? What do you do? What can you expect So over the course of the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at Thanksgiving, a guide to the rest of the world. So if you're thinking to yourself, how does this fit into my notion of Americans as a country of crass consumerists whose tackiness has brought on high relief with their NAF holidays? No, that is not the case. It's a warm, wholesome holiday. And uh, we start off with Thanksgiving week. If you're invited to an American's house for Thanksgiving it's either a sign that they really value as a friend or they feel very sorry for you. The f- general feeling is that nobody should be alone on Thanksgiving not even British people who have barely heard of the holiday or broken bread at the holiday. Been very lovely having you here for the podcast. Gosh I feel so much better today. I feel much much fitter raring to go for the rest of the weekend here but uh, Marvellous to have you here. So if you like the audio version of Keep Coming Cauliflower Cheese, you can listen on Apple Music, uh, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Slacker, TuneIn, Audible, Amazon Music. All of them just have the Audible. So it's just me rambling on in my rambunctious fashion for about an hour, uh, twice a week. Uh, But if you like a little bit of music, if you love some music then you can listen to the Musical Butler Emporium Edition on Spotify. And this week, we have a little bit of Shelby Lynn. We have the Bangles. Uh, We have uh, also some Jonas Brothers. Uh, We have some U2. 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 Uh, We have some uh, Pilot. We have some Hot Chip. We have some Prince. We have some Bruce Springsteen. Oh, wow. I tell you something. It's fun-packed, music-packed edition of the show. In fact, if you are uh, making a pumpkin pie and you're slicing into the pumpkin and gouging out all the, the innards of that pumpkin to make the pumpkin pie, as you're gouging out the innards of the pumpkin, you might be able to press your ear to the pumpkin. And here, keep calm and cauliflower cheese. It, you hear it everywhere. It's everywhere, I tell you. Anyway, coming up next, we have a very seasonal poem. This is a shepherd's calendar, November the landscape sleeps in mist from morn till noon, and if the sun looks through, tis with a face, beamless and pale and round, as if the moon, when done the journey of her nightly race, had found him sleeping and supplied his place. For days the shepherds in the fields may be, Nor patch sky blindfold they trace, The plains that they seem without a bush or a tree, Whistling aloud by guests to flocks they cannot see. The timid hare seems half its fears to lose, Crouching and sleeping neath its grassy lair, and scarcely startles though the shepherd goes close by home and dogs are barking there the wild colt only turns around to stare at passenger by then naps his hide again and moody crows beside the road forbear to fly though pelted by the passing swain the stay turns to night and tries to wake in vain the owlet tries and leaves her hiding place at noon, and flaps her grey wings in the doubling light, the horse-jay screams to see her out so soon, and the small birds chirp and startle, with a fright, much doff it scares the superstitious white, whose dreams of sorry luck and sore dismay, while cowboys think the day a dream of night, and oft grow fearful on their lonely way, fancying that ghosts may wake and leave their graves by day, yet by while a while the slumbering weather flings its murky prison round. the winds wake loud with sudden stir the startled forest sings winter's returning song clouds races cloud and the horizon froze around its shroud sweeping a stretching circle from the eye storms upon the storms in quick succession and oh the sameness of the purple sky heaven paints with hurried hand wild hues of every dye at length it comes from the forest oaks with sobbing ebbs and uproar gathering high the sacred horse raven on its cradle croaks and stock dry flow floods in hurried terrors fly while the f- Blue hawk hangs over them in the sky, the hedger hastens from the storm begun to seek a shelter that may keep him dry, and foresters low bent the winter shun, scarce hear amid the strife the poacher's muttering gun. The ploughman hears its humming rage begin and hies for shelter from his naked toil buttoning his doublet closer to his chin he bends and scampers o'er the elting soil while clouds above him in wild fury boil and the winds drive heavily the beating rain he turns his back to catch his breath awhile, then ekes his speed and faces it again to seek the shepherd's hut beside the rushy plain the boy that scare from the spiry wheat, the melancholy crow in hurry weaves behind and beneath an ivy tree, his sheltering seat of rushy flags and sedges tied in sheaves or the field of a shock of stubble fees, there he doth differing sit and entertain his eyes with marking the storm-driven leaves, off spying nests where he spring eggs had taken and wishing his heart summer time again. Thus wears the month along in checkered moods, sunshine and shadows, tempests loud and calms, one hour dies silently, o'er the sleepy woods. The next wakes loud with unexpected storms, a dreary nakedness, the field deforms, yet many a rural sound and rural sight leaves the village still about the farms, where the toil rude uproar hums from morn till night, noises in which the ears of industry delight.' At length the stir of rural's labour still, And industry her care a while forgoes, When winter comes in earnest to fulfil His yearly task at bleak November's close, And stops the plough and hides the field in the snow, When the frost locks up the stream in chill delay, And mellows on the hedge the jetty slows, For little birds and toil have time to play, And naught but threshers, flails awake the dreary day. That was by John Clare. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. I will be back next Friday for more editions of Keep Coming Cauliflower Cheese. Like and subscribe all across uh, Twitter. Uh, Like and subscribe on all of the platforms that you listen to the show. Much, much appreciated. Love my listenership. And until next time, it's Cheerio for now.